Hello, and welcome to the City Baptist Church Podcast, where our desire is to help others find meaning and mission in following Jesus. All right, well, man, what a great start to the day, and I'm excited to again have you join us for a time in the Word. So if you take your Bibles with me and turn to Matthew chapter number six this morning, Matthew chapter number six, and I'd like to preach to you today a message called Victory Over Worry. Victory Over Worry this morning. Uh, you know, we are certainly in unprecedented times. I think you guys understand that. Uh, as in just a few weeks, we have gone from seemingly normal lives to lives that are completely changed to new realities of things like social distancing. I mean, how many of us talked about social distancing a couple of weeks ago uh, to going to the grocery store and having uh, pieces of tape on the ground so we make sure we stay uh, far away from each other, uh, playground closures, restaurants closing down, uh, and probably one of the worst things, coffee shops only allowing you to come and knock on the door and then they bring you your coffee. At least we can still get our coffee, I guess. Uh, but going through all of these are, are really challenging. And of course, for us, churches being unable to meet uh, because of the new reality that we are living in. But basically what we have seen is the shutdown of modern society really as we know it. And it's, it's really is amazing to me. It's amazing to see things so quickly get shut down and changed. Um, just Well, I say just because it's a, definitely a virus. It's a serious thing. But it's amazing how quickly things have changed. But the one thing that I've noticed um, throughout this time, and I've been trying to be observant about people and the news and what's going on, one of the things I've noticed is that I haven't seen a whole lot of anger, though, about the measures that have been taken to slow the spread of the virus. I haven't seen a lot of people um, getting, uh, uh, get, getting frustrated, even necessarily. Um, they haven't uh, complained too much, except to complain about you know, the lack of toilet paper, maybe. Uh, or if you're like me, I went to get some uh, marshmallows this week, and they were all gone. So somebody's hoarding all the marshmallows. Um, you know, th those are the few complaints that we have. But overall, people aren't complaining too much. Instead, what I've noticed is an overriding fear, uh, an overriding worry as to what this is going to take us to or how far this, uh, this disease is going to take us. A lot of people have fear and a lot of worry, and honestly, the fear, I feel like, is spreading a little bit quicker even than the virus. It's interesting. I, I read a study this week uh, that said that uh, fear actually uh, depletes or weakens your immune system. And so a doctor was talking, and he says, those of you that are spreading fear online, those of you that are spreading fear person to person, you need to be careful because you're actually weakening that person's immune system and making them more susceptible to the disease. I thought that was really a powerful thought, but that's really what we're seeing. We're seeing fear uh, all around, and fear is a dangerous thing. In itself, you could say fear is a virus because it, it pushes people to do irrational and sometimes even dangerous things. Now, as Christians, of course, what we know is that we know verses about fear, right? We know that God has not given us a spirit of fear. Uh, we know that we are to have faith over our fears. And, and by and large, the Christian community has not been uh, dealing so much with fear or demonstrating fear because I think since our inception, we understand as Christians that we've always had our lives in dangers as, as Christians ever since our beginning. But the emotion that I have seen within the church and especially within the people that I'm closest to is not so much a feeling of fear, though. It's a feeling of worry, of concern. Worry is certainly an overwhelming uh, emotion that we're dealing with at this time. Now, by definition, worry means to divide. It means to tear apart. It means to uh, pull in opposite directions. Now, at the beginning of the message, I just want to be very clear. What I'm talking about today is not the idea of concern, though. Uh, concern, of course, is a legitimate emotion that helps us focus on real problems 
with the spiritual energy to respond in a godly way. So that's the idea of concern. And I'm not talking about putting our heads in the sand at all today. What I'm talking about is the kind of worry that leads to anxiety, uh, the kind of worry that causes our mind and our heart to be torn apart, all because of the circumstances surrounding us. Now, Worry comes naturally to some of us more than others. For me, I am naturally a bit of a worrier, to be, to be honest with you. Uh, even as a kid, I remember laying awake at night uh, worrying about a couple of things. The two big things that I was worried about as a kid was, first of all, volcanoes. Uh, that was my initial worry. Uh, I, con- I was very concerned about volcanoes. And then next to that was earthquakes. That was the next thing that I was concerned about. Uh, both of those are thanks to a Science World IMAX film on volcanoes and earthquakes. Uh, it gave me quite a few years of, of, of trauma at night. Um, but I would stay up and I would worry about those things. And, and, and for all of us, we have different things we worry about. Some people are more chronic worriers. Uh, they worry about a lot of different things. Others, you have to check for a pulse. They just, nothing bothers them. Uh, they just go through life and, and doesn't have a problem. But worry is something that definitely all of us battle. Uh, all of us at, at times uh, have allowed worry to cripple our relationships, to uh, cripple the way that we view the world. And especially in times like this, sometimes worry can even damage our faith. But whenever we're confronted with challenging times, we can always look to the scripture, and this is what I love. We can always look to the word of God because 2,000 years ago, Jesus knew that there would be moments of life where we were prone to great worry. And even though he, well, even even though we didn't expect to see this come over the last couple weeks, Jesus knew what was coming. And so today I want to preach to you a message on overcoming or having victory over worry. And we see this in probably the greatest message ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, We see it in Matthew chapter number six, where Jesus gives us the keys to overcoming a life of worry. I really think this is timely for us. Not so much because maybe you are struggling with worry right now, but there's definitely some people in your life that are struggling. Some people that maybe you know at your workplace or coworkers or family members who are just really having a hard time with worry. And today's message, I believe, can really help you, first of all. But second of all, maybe give you some tools that you can encourage them with when it comes to the subject of worry. Now, Jesus approaches the subject that we're going to see, the passage, in two different ways. First, he tells us what to not worry about, and that's great. And then secondly, he gives us a pattern to focus our lives on so that we can have victory over worry. So as we get to Matthew chapter 6, we'll begin in verse 25. First of all, I want you to see in our points, he tells us to not worry about day-to-day life. And I've got the points up here. Hopefully, you'll be able to follow along with them. He says, do not worry about day-to-day life. Look at verse number 25. Jesus said, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. And then he says this, yet your heavenly father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Now, of course, Jesus, we know, is speaking to a first century audience and And in consideration of them, he talks about the things that they would have been focused about, what they would have been thinking about. He talks about the idea of what they're going to eat and worrying about what they're going to drink or uh, what they're going to wear. And of course, in that society, it was very much a hand to mouth. You went to work, what you earned that day, pretty much you used to buy the food for the next day to come or any needs that you may have. And so it was very much focused on the day to day things. And so Jesus was telling them here, he says, I don't want you to be worried about the day-to-day things of life. He uses the idea here where he says, take no thought. And that's where we get our modern day word worry from. The idea of being drawn in different directions or pulled apart or concerned about things. And the command here that Jesus gives us is to do not worry 
about everyday life. Now, that doesn't negate the idea of concern like we talked about. Of course, uh, we are to be willing to work. We need to go out and supply for our own needs. But the point is, is that food, uh, clothing, our future, if we were to look at it maybe today in, in our terms, those things are less important than the life and the body that they supply. And that's what he's trying to get across to them. The, the daily things that we focus on, while they are important and we should give concern to them and do our very best, when it comes to the idea of what is more important, of course, the life that God has given us is much more important. And if we're not careful, worry can immobilize us, whereas trust can move us to action. And so we have to ultimately remember that all things that we have come from God and when needs arise, we do not need to worry about our daily needs because God knows the needs of his children. Now, when we hear that, when somebody says, hey, don't worry, you know, don't worry, be happy or whatever they say, sometimes we get offended because we think, well, you don't really know what I'm going through. And, and when we see Jesus say, do not worry about the day to day things, very easily we could say, well, you don't really know, Jesus, what I'm going through. You don't know the, the trials I've had or you don't know my past. Or we might even say, Jesus, you don't even know what COVID-19 is. <laughs> you don't even know uh, what, the, what we're going through. Didn't you notice we are in a pandemic? And the answer to that is, yes, he does know. God does know what we are going through. There is nothing that misses the eye of God, especially the things that are affecting his children. And yet, knowing the future, being the sovereign God, he still says, don't worry. And then he gives us an example here. And in the passage, you see, he gives us the example of some birds. And isn't that great? Some of you might be bird lovers. I'm not a huge bird lover. I had a friend who had a bird that would eat Oreos out of his mouth. And that just sort of turned me off to the idea of a pet bird. Um, but you might be a bird lover here in Vancouver. We've got crows, of course, not a bird lover. Uh, seagulls, I've uh, been pooped on several times by seagulls. I must have some sort of target on me. Um, but either way, whatever it is, uh, he uses birds for an illustration. And there, of course, he might have been pointing to some birds over there flying around. Um, but the idea that he is trying to show us is that birds do not uh, sit around and worry about what they are to do. Birds are completely dependent from day to day on, 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 on what they can gather for themselves. Birds cannot store up food in barns. Uh, birds cannot plant crops. They cannot harvest them. They can't put money into savings. They can't build emergency funds. Um, they simply work. They hunt for their food. They eat for that day or they feed their family. They don't stress out about all of these other things. And the point that he's trying to make here is that if God cares for the birds, don't you think he's going to care for you? Because people are far more valuable to him than any animal, any of the animal kingdom. That's a proven truth in scripture. See, Jesus is trying to teach us here total dependence upon God as opposed to humanity's self-sufficiency recognizing that all that we have is from his hand anyway. Therefore, we can trust him with our day-to-day -day needs. And the application is simply, we don't need to worry about day-to-day -day needs. Now, that's hard in a day where people are hoarding uh, what we may consider our day-to-day -day needs. When people are stocking their garages full of toilet paper or stocking their garages full of canned goods or whatever it may be. Again, this is not a call to be unprepared, but God's challenge is to not be consumed with thinking. If we just had a little bit more, if I had a little bit more security, that we'd be okay. He wants us to get out of the independent mindset and complete dependence upon God. And so he says, do not worry about day-to-day -day life. But secondly, he says, do not worry about things you cannot change. Do not worry about things that you cannot change. And this really hits home for me in verse 27, where he says, which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? 
And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? And then he says this at the end. He says, O ye of little faith. You know, for me, this is definitely where I need the most help, to be honest with you. Because I'm often prone to worrying about things that are completely out of my control. He uses the example of the idea of how tall you are. And he says, how many of you, by taking thought, can add a cubit, or about 18 inches, to your height? Now, as a kid growing up, I wanted to be tall. And thankfully, I got kind of close to that and didn't hit my goal. Uh, but I would lay off my bed upside down and I, you know, do things to uh, try to grow. I refrained from coffee well into my 20s uh, to make sure that I could maybe get a little bit more. But the idea here is how much, of you, how much can you grow just by thinking about it? I think probably if you stressed about it, you maybe would shrink a little bit. You'd lose a couple centimeters. But how many of you would grow just by thinking about it? Well, of course, we know that you can't grow from it. Now, for you, you may not care about your height, which is the illustration that he gives to us. But oftentimes, many of you spend nights awake uh, in anguish, worrying, uh, losing sleep over things that you have no control over. Some of you have been losing sleep over what's happening in the world right now. And yet for most of us, there's really nothing that we can do about it. Many of you lose sleep maybe over the latest uh, government changes that take place. You might lose sleep over uh, maybe some conspiracy theory that you read and now you're, maybe it's true and you're kind of concerned about it. Uh, you might be losing sleep or staying awake worrying about your, your personal health. You might be awake uh, thinking about your kids and I hope that they have a great future and, you, and you, you're worried and you're con- uh, concerned about that. But yet the reality is at this point and in that moment especially, there really is nothing that you can do. It is out of your control. And so we must uh, learn to step back and ask ourselves, is worrying about this going to help me at all? Like I mentioned earlier, worry and fear can actually be damaging to your health. Because when the object of our worry consumes our thoughts and uh, it it can disrupt us in so many different ways, many times you maybe know a worrier that has uh, negatively affected you. And and then God uses the illustration as well. He says, uh, what what are you going to gain by by worrying about stuff? And then he uses the example of the flowers of the field. And he talks about the idea that they don't work for their clothing. And in fact, he uses Solomon as an example, one of the wisest, uh, most wealthy men uh, in the world. He says he tried to look like them, but he couldn't even be clothed in the way that God clothed the flowers. But yet they don't even really think about it. And he's mentioning to us, and he's trying to remind us of the fact that if God is willing to care for the smallest flower in the field then he is also able to care for you. Look at verse number 31 and uh, verse number 32 of Matthew chapter number 6. He says, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? He said that. And then in verse 32, For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Now this is the key phrase right here. After all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Now Gentiles in that day, what Jesus was referring to, were people that were outside of the promises of God. And so what he's trying to say is that a person who uh, has the, uh, a person without the promises of God are the people that worry. People that worry are the ones who don't fully understand the promises of God. Now, do I believe that worriers are not saved? Of course not. I know a lot of saved worriers, uh, definitely. But I do believe that many Christians today live as if they do not have the promises of God or they do not remember the promises of God. Many Christians live in this way. 
So quickly we forget Philippians 4.19, that tells us, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. In Psalm 23, in verse number one, it says that the Lord is my shepherd. And what's the second part of it? I shall not want. And we got some crying kids here. That's okay. We're going to get them out of here. All right. <laughs> yes, there is a studio audience today, but it's very small, literally <laughs> very small. And, uh, and so uh, the point of this, of course, is that if we're trusting in God, he is going to supply our needs. We can trust in him. We should not live as those without hope. Think about that woman in 1 Kings chapter 17, who was facing death and God provided. Think of Elijah in the wilderness. God provided for him. What do you know? By birds actually provided for him in that way. Daniel in the lion's den. Paul in a shipwreck. So many examples of people in situations that they had no control of, and yet God came through for them in a miraculous way. You know, as God's children today, we have the promises of God to provide for our daily needs, and we have the promises of God's sovereignty over our life and our future. And I really believe there's no better way or better time than right now to start actually living out that understanding that God is in control. See, the problem is, is we're often as Christians living as if we don't know who we truly are. I've, uh, I came across this illustration uh, of this dog, and I've got a picture here of this husky dog uh, by the name of Tally. And this dog is a really interesting dog because uh, this husky was raised by cats, which is very interesting <laughs> that it was raised by cats. And so because it was raised by cats, this husky dog um, has the characteristics of a cat. And it's, it's really interesting. You can look it up. There's a lot of pictures. And even just by the way that it lays, it hides out in boxes. It never barks. It's very quiet, you know, uh, and has all these characteristics of a cat. But to me, as I look at this, it's kind of sad, honestly, because a husky dog, I mean, nothing against cats, but a husky dog is a pretty incredible animal. I mean, they were, they were bred for certain things. They have incredible resilience. They're strong. They're very intelligent. And, uh, and yet, and, and he could really do so much more, but because of how he was raised, again, no offense to cat lovers, uh, he's not fulfilling what he was created to be. And I think you understand what I'm trying to get at here. As Christians, this is often how it is. See, we live worry-filled lives as if we are somebody without the promises of God. And then because of that, we are not able to actually fulfill all of the calling or all of the purpose that God has given to us because we're living outside of his will for us. Jesus is very clear here. Do not worry about the day-to-day -day needs. And then he says, do not worry about the things that you have no control over. Now, I realize you might be thinking right now, great, uh, but it's not enough to just say that to me. <laughs> Isn't it great when somebody tells you just to chill out and you're like, wait a minute, that's not enough for me. Uh, I need some more help. How can we get some victory over worry then? This is what we're gonna talk about today, uh, the rest of the time here. Three elements to help us overcome worry in this passage. Point number one, I want you to write this down. Write down, walk by faith. Walk by faith. Look at verse number 30 of this passage again. He says, if God's going to close, uh, clothe the grass of the field, which today is, tomorrow's cast in the oven, the idea is going to be burned up, shall he not much more clothe you? And then he says this, O ye of little faith. O ye of little faith. If we are going to have victory over our worry, it's going to have to involve a greater faith than we have right now. If we're going to overcome this panic, this fear, these worries that can override us, we're going to have to have a greater walk of faith than we do right now. 
And Jesus says here that a person who is constantly living in a state of worry, someone who is devoted to their worries, is somebody with only a small amount of faith. Did you see that? He said, you of little faith. So what can we learn from it? Well, what we can learn is that if we're going to be people that are free from worry, then we must be a people of great faith, a people who walk by faith. Well, what does that mean? 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse 6 through 7 says, Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. I have this quote up here that I think is very helpful for us. But walking by faith means living light, a life in light of eternal consequences. Walking by faith means living our life in light of eternal consequences. What it means is to fear God more than man. It means to obey the Bible even when it conflicts with man's commands. It means to choose righteousness over sin, no matter what the cost is, to trust God in every circumstance and to believe God uh, that he will reward those who diligently seek him regardless of what other people might say. See, rather than loving the things of this world like 1 John chapter 2 and 15 and 16 uh, shows us, we must spend our lives glorifying God in everything that we do. And what that means is that it's going to take some faith to live in that way because we cannot hear, touch, or see anything that is spiritual. But as Christians, when we base our lives on the truth of God's word, uh, rather than the philosophies of our day or the, the motives of, of the people in our society or in the world's way of looking at things, what it does is it allows for us to live above the material focus of the world and truly rely on God, eliminating our fleshly need to worry. So first of all, we should walk by faith. That means living in light of the fact that God is in control, uh, that he is, he is over all things. One day we will be with him and we can take comfort in that. But a second way that we can overcome worry or have victory over worry is to simply trust the Father. Trust the Father. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 again, he's saying, take no thought what we're going to eat or drink. And then in verse 32, he says again, uh, he says, after these things do the Gentiles seek. And then look at the last part of the verse. He says, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. Earlier on, he talks about how the Father uh, feedeth them. He's talking about the birds. He's talking about uh, God clothing the grass, of the grass of the field. But the secret to overcoming worry is to learn to completely trace your, place your trust in our heavenly Father. Uh, this morning, I did a little bit of a, a look on Amazon.ca, and I, I just typed in the idea, uh, or I looked for books on the subject of worry. And uh, this is what I came up with uh, as I did a little search here, and there's three different kids' books. Uh, but honestly, the results were really, really sad, because what I discovered is that eight out of the 16 first-page results on Amazon.ca under books, the subject of worry, were geared specifically to little kids. There was a few other ones that were geared towards teenagers and young adults, but eight, half, you go to Barnes & Noble, it's the same idea. 50% of the books on worry are geared towards children. To me, as a, as a dad, I mean, it's such a sad situation when a child lives a life of anxiety and of worry. Maybe for some of you, you grew up that way. Your parents uh, passed down to you a great sense of worry. They were always concerned about things. And you know how difficult it is to grow up uh, having a childhood that's full of worry and concern. Um, because as a dad, I want my kids to live free from worry. I mean, this is such a sad thing that there's that much of a need for kids and their anxiety. But in the same way that it's sad for a child to grow up in a home where they're concerned and worried about everything, in the same way it's a sad thing for a child of God who doesn't trust their Heavenly Father. It's a sad thing when a child of, of the Father does not trust Him. 
And God wants us to trust Him. He wants us to turn to Him in prayer. He wants us to give Him our burdens and our worries. In 1 Peter chapter 5, in verse number 6, it says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. Notice, he talks about the mighty hand of God and putting ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And then he says that He may exalt you in due time. And then we come to verse 7, which we all know so well, where it says, Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. And this verse is so powerful because it reminds us of the fact that if we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, we then can give him all of our cares because he cares for us. Having victory over worry comes when we place our devotion and when we place our focus in the right places. And that should be in the heavenly father because he knows our needs. Such a wonderful thing to have parents that you can completely trust with, with all aspects of your life. It's a wonderful thing to just completely trust them. And I know for those of you that are parents, you've tried to instill that into your own kids. But listen, as Christians, we can model this in the best way by showing our children our trust in a heavenly father. And we can illustrate that to our kids, to our family, to our unsaved friend in the same way. You know, th this is an unprecedented time, but it's also a great opportunity for us as believers to encourage those that do not know Christ, to point them to him through our reaction and through the way that we approach uh, life and approach these tragedies by revealing to them our trust completely in God, no matter what we are facing. If we're going to see some victory over worry, we must walk by faith, we must trust in the Father, and then lastly, we must put God first. We must put God first. Look at verse number 33 in Matthew chapter 6, probably one of the most famous verses here of this passage. It says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Why don't you say that verse along with me? Matthew 6, it says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, as followers of Jesus Christ, we must settle the question of priorities, <laughs> We've got to get that settled in our hearts and make the kingdom of God our primary concern. He tells us here to seek first. What that means is to strive after. It means to aim towards, to pursue, to go after, first of all, the kingdom of God. That is His righteousness, meaning the things of the Lord, His work, His word, His will, to put His will for my life above even what my will is for His life, to place the things of God, things like church, gathering together, uh, uh, sacrificially giving, put the things of God even above the things that we believe are the most important things. He must be our priority. Seek ye first. You'll remember uh, over in Colossians, Paul said it this way. He says that in all things, he might have the preeminence. And that's what he desires for us is that we would put God first above all things. So you have to ask yourself the question, what am I putting above God? What is most important to you? Is it people? Uh, sometimes we put relationships above God, uh, human relationships. Is it objects? Is it uh, the pursuit of wealth? Is it goals? Is it uh, a pleasure? Right now, for some of you, you might be putting your fear even above your trust in God. You're putting your fear of the unknown, the fear of what's happening, and you're putting that above your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we must actively choose to give God first place in our lives. You know, it's strange... <laughs> Uh, it's sort of strange, as strange as Christians anyway. But when you get your priorities right, God promises to us that he'll give us what we need. He'll give us what we need from day to day and everything that is necessary to live for him in the time. The guarantee is not there for those 
who seek after their own. And so we must be people who seek first the kingdom of God and the things of God, his righteousness. See, when Jesus' followers seek his kingdom first, God will give you grace and victory over your worry. When Jesus' followers seek his kingdom first, God will give you grace and victory over your worry. So I want to ask you this morning, how is your worry today? Is your worry getting more attention than your God? Is your worry getting more attention than your God? Now, understand, I'm not condemning you today. Uh, this week for me has been filled with a lot of worries. I was worried about this right here. <laughs> a lot of things that I've been worried in and honestly have even consumed me a little bit. I understand the cares of this world and I understand the things that we worry about, but if your worry is stealing your devotion away from the one who deserves all of our devotion and all of our worship and all of our praise, then you're not in the right place right now. You're not in the position that God desires for you to be. See, the secret to seeing victory over, over worry is very simple, but it's very difficult to implement. And I truly believe, though, with all my heart, that it is actually possible for us as Christians to have victory over the worry that can so easily consume us. But we must learn to walk by faith. Some of you already know what that looks like. Some of you have been through times in your life where you walk by faith. It's time for you to get back to that place. For those of you that uh, maybe need to trust in God just a little bit more, some of you, you know what that's like. And so you know and understand what it means to trust God completely. And for many of you, you may just need to put God first place again in your life. Man, we've put uh, CBC and we've put CNN and we've put all of the news and we've put uh, all, of the, all of the reports in our Twitter feeds and our social media. We've put all of these things even above our walk with God. I've talked with many people who haven't even been reading their Bibles because they're so focused on the news and getting the updates and they want to make sure. Listen, church, do not put anything else above God. And I promise you this, if you will put God first in all things, he will help you with the worry that you're struggling with right now. See, my challenge for us today is to determine to not allow worry to control our lives. You say, it's easier said than done. Yeah, I totally get it. I totally get it. Some of you are worried about just trying to overcome worry. <laughs> it's bothering you. You're worried about it. But I tell you what, God will give you the strength. He'll give you what you need to follow him because God is in control. God is in control. And we must seek him first in the now and trust him to be in control, in control of tomorrow. We must seek God first in the now and trust Him to be in control of tomorrow. I want to encourage you today and edify you, as we talked about last week. I want to edify you with the idea to devote yourself to Him and to His Word rather than devoting yourself to your own insecurities and your own concerns. Let's be a people that have victory over worry today. We hope that today's message was a help and encouragement to you in your walk with God. To stay connected with us, give us a like on Facebook or follow us on Instagram at Vance City Baptist. Our prayer is that God will grow and bless you as you pursue His will for your life.